Welcome to Healing Place Church, where our mission is to be a healing place for a hurting world. Listen each week for updated content and be sure to share with your friends. We hope this podcast is a blessing and a resource to you as you pursue God daily. Hey, well, last week, Pastor Mike, he kicked us off on really a two-part sermon on this thought of revival. And he looked at a passage of scripture in Exodus chapter 33, a revival that took place. And what a phenomenal message. Man, that was one, if you missed, you need to make sure to go back and watch. And he talked to us about some steps towards revival. And this will be the second installment of that conversation and that sermon. But he talked to us about two things in particular. The first is that the first step to revival is repentance. And this idea that through God's grace, that even when we sin, that God allows us to repent and to turn towards him. And that's what the word actually means. It's a turning towards. And that God allows us to do that by his grace to be able to turn from our wicked ways towards him. The second thing he talked about was relationship. And how important it is for us to know that a relationship is what it's all about. It's not about religion, this list of to-dos and trying to earn favor with God or earn revival. Revival will never take place without a relationship with God. And today I wanna continue that conversation and look at the same passage of scripture in Exodus chapter 33. And just to give you a refresher of context of what's taking place here, the people of God are in the wilderness and, and they are yet to get into the promised land. They're no longer underneath the bondage of the, of the Egyptian people and Pharaoh, but they're yet to be where God has called them to be. And in Exodus chapter 32, you, you see this interesting story that takes place. Moses goes up onto the mountain. He's there for a prolonged period of time. The people, they get anxious, they get impatient. They're not, they're not patient enough just to wait for God's timing. And they tell Aaron, they said, hey, I want you to make us a golden calf. And they start worshiping a golden calf. It's amazing to me what we will do and we'll turn into worship things that are only devoted towards God. They worship this golden calf and God hears about it, he knows about it. And he says, he is not happy at all. He tells Moses something very important for what we're about to read and pick up on. He tells him, he says, Moses, I'm gonna send my angel with you and you're gonna go into the promised land. You're gonna defeat the enemies. You're gonna have provision. You're gonna have all these things. But he tells Moses, he says, but I am not going with you. It's important. My presence is not going with you. So check this out. Exodus chapter 33, verse 15. It picks up this conversation. This is what Moses said. And he said to him, speaking, Moses says to God, if your presence will not go with me, do not bring me up from here. For how shall it be known that I have found favor in your sight, I and your people? Is it not in your going with us so that we are distinct and your people from every other people on the face of the earth? Now watch what God says in reply. And Moses, God, the Lord says to Moses, this very thing that you have spoken. So what Moses had just asked, I will do for you. That's phenomenal. He says, you have found favor in my sight and I know you by name. I love this, this text. I love this picture. This dialogue has taken place. And I, I put myself in this situation and think what it had to have been like for Moses. And here Moses, he, he hears these words from God and God's saying, listen, I'm gonna send my angel with you. You're gonna have provision I'm gonna supply your needs, you're gonna be fed, 
the promise is gonna be fulfilled. What's the promise? The promise is the promise that God gave Abraham in Genesis chapter 12, that the people of God are gonna have land. That's gonna happen. And then he also tells them there's gonna be protection, that you're gonna be protected from your enemies. You're gonna defeat the Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites and other, all the other ites you can think of. But God says this, he says, but I am not going with you. And Moses, I just imagine him thinking, man, God, I'm thankful for the promise of the land. I'm thankful for the provision that our bellies will be full. And God, I'm thankful that you're gonna protect, the angel's gonna protect us from our enemies. But Moses says to God, if you do not go, if you are not going with us, then please do not send us away from here. I know Moses didn't speak English, but I just imagine had he speak, spoke English, he would have been a little country. How many country people I'm talking to today? I imagine Moses saying, God, if you are not going, I ain't going. I know that's not proper English, but sometimes when you're really serious about something, you have to say, it ain't gonna happen. And Moses was saying, God, I have to have your presence. And this is the third point on these steps towards revival is this, is we have to seek his presence. If revival is going to take place, if a move of God is going to happen, if the supernatural is going to be in our life and our church and our families and our state and our country and our world, I'm telling you, it will not happen apart from the presence of God being right in the center. God's presence changes everything. Moses was thankful for the promise. He was thankful for the protection. He was thankful for the provision, but he knew above anything else, the presence of God is what he needed most. I love this. I love this thought, the desperation that he had, the, the desire he had for God's presence. He knew there was no substitute for it. There was no delegating out God's presence. Some of you, you, you can maybe relate to this. Maybe you're a parent have you ever tried to delegate your presence, your authority to one of your children? I mean, I do this sometimes and it, it always fails. Maybe it's a reflection of my parenting, but it never works. I'll say to my son, Judah, I'll say, Judah, go tell Elijah that I said for him to brush his teeth. And then Judah will go, because how many of you know during quarantine, our kids can go days without brushing teeth. It is amazing. You can smell them a mile away. And he'll go and he'll say, hey, dad said you're supposed to brush your teeth. He'll come back and I'll say, hey, did he do it? And he'll say, no. But when I go and say to him, Elijah, I said, brush your teeth. How many of you know the, the scene changes a little bit? Moses knew there was no delegating the presence of God. God's presence changes everything. And what I love about Moses is he never took God's presence for granted. There was never a moment in Moses' mind where he thought, hey, it's not that big a deal. I, I don't need this that much. God's presence for Moses was everything. It made me think of a time about two years ago, it was during football season, that we got invited, my wife and I, we got invited to the LSU football game. I know I'm talking to some LSU fans. And we got invited to an LSU football game, and man, we were just fired up to get out of the house, to be honest with you. We were like, yes, let's go, let's have fun. And our friends said this, they said, hey, listen, we got some tickets for you, we got a parking pass for you. And they said, it's not just any ordinary ticket. They said, these are stadium club tickets. Come on, somebody, stadium club tickets. You say, what do you speak of? Let me tell you what I speak of. I'd never been in this environment before. We get there, we go up an elevator into this area known as the stadium club. There is food, listen to me, everywhere. And I'm talking like, not McDonald's food, I'm talking like crawfish etouffee. 
I'm talking fried catfish. I know fried catfish is like not healthy for you, but I love fried catfish. They had ice creams and brownies and cookies and all kinds of amazing food. And me and Bethany, we were absolutely just geeking out, man. We were taking pictures. We're like high-fiving each other. We're talking to people in the line, and we're like, is this not amazing? We didn't get wet. It was actually raining. It was against Ole Miss that year, if you remember, and it was raining the whole time. We were underneath shelter. We had TVs everywhere. We had coffee. We had it made. I remember even the carpet was soft. We were walking on the carpet, and I'm thinking, this is the softest carpet I've ever been on in my life. The bathrooms were clean. You know, Sometimes there's that funky smell at games. It smelt amazing. It was incredible. And we were just mesmerized. We were in all of that environment. And I remember later, we said to each other, like, you know, it's funny, like, we're the most excited of anyone here. Like, we are blown away. And this is what happens sometimes in life. Sometimes what we are used to doing or experiencing can become very normal to us where it loses its all and we start to take it for granted. And for most people in there, and there's nothing bad about them, most people in there, that was their game day experience. That's what they experienced nearly every single game. And it just become normal to them. I love that Moses, that being in God's presence did not become normal to him. He never took it for granted and just thought, well, this is just the way it is. I'm I'm thankful a little bit. Moses was desperate for God's presence. He knew that he was gonna have spiritual breakthrough in his life, that God's presence was necessary. If chains and darkness are gonna break off of our lives and our family's lives, I promise you it will not happen apart from the presence of God. When we gather into this room and we worship together even in our homes, I pray the presence of God is right where we are in everything that we do as we have small groups and we talk to our family and we parent and we lead and we work. Man, the presence of God is everything. In fact, Moses was so intentional about God's presence that he actually, he constructed this thing called the tent of meeting. And the tent of meeting is, is kind of this interesting thing that he constructed and, and this is what you would see happen and the people were, were all gathered together and, and all of them had their individual tents where they slept and where they lived and the camp was just huge. You're talking about millions of people. Millions of people that he was leading. And Moses would escape. He would separate himself to this place called a tent of meeting. And he would go there and he would spend time with God routinely. He valued, he understood the importance of seeking his presence. If we want revival, we have to seek his presence. And Moses would go there and the Bible says this about it. He says that Moses would speak to God and God would speak to him that there was prayer, there was communion, there was fellowship taking place, and God would actually talk to him face to face, the Bible says. What's that mean? It means there was intimacy there. There was connectivity there. And Moses knew from that place is where all of his life, all of his strength came from. There's no delegating it, there's no finding it in money or in satisfactions or in entertainment. The only place that we are going to find the fullness of life is in the presence of God. It is absolutely a must for a revival. I also love the fact that Moses, he never got to this place where he thought he was above God's presence. You think about what all he had done and and he had been a part of. This is quite a resume. 
It, sometimes we read these texts and we're like, yeah, I know this, I know that story, I know this part. But when you think about it all collectively together and how easy it could have been for Moses to start getting the big head and for pride to come in, and pride is the fastest thing that will push away God's presence from us. Moses never got to that place. Think about what he was a part of. He was a part of delivering a million plus people from captivity in Egypt through 10 plagues. He was a part of parting the Red Sea to where they walked on dry land. If that wasn't good enough, he was a part of the sea collapsing on the Egyptian army following them and defeating them in one day. He was a part of water from a rock. He was part of the 10 commandments and the list goes on and on of what Moses was a part of. But I love his humility. Just the same Moses you see in Exodus chapter three where he's begging God to go with him at the burning bush saying, I can't do this on my own. Even years later, you see the same desperation and dependency on God's presence that Moses had. He knew he was not that good. And can I tell you something today, and I'm not trying to hurt anybody's feelings or make you feel bad about yourself or even myself feel bad, but none of us, none of us are that good. All of us are desperate for God's presence. If you wanna see the supernatural take place, his presence has to be with you. His presence has to be on you. It made me think about when I was playing basketball when I was a little kid. Man, I loved basketball. I was no, nowhere near the talent level of the bishop, Michael Howard Heyman himself, but I loved basketball. And let me tell you something. This is going to impress you guys. I dominated church league. Like, I was like church league champ. It didn't matter if it was Baptist church league Presbyterian Church League or Pentecostal Church League. I dominated Church League. And I thought, I started to think to myself, I thought, man, I'm pretty awesome. Look at my skills as a, as a fifth grader. Man, I'm averaging like 18 points a game, just raining threes. I'm like Steph Curry and LeBron James and Michael Jordan all mixed together. I got it going on. I, I literally remember thinking that. Probably didn't help my, that my parents thought I was awesome and told me that all the time too. But I thought I had it going on. I'll never forget one summer. Me and my friend Jack Sherman, we played AAU basketball one summer. You say, AAU, what is this you speak of? Let me just break it down to you this way. AAU is not church league basketball. AAU is a whole nother league. I remember I had the ball stolen from me. I was playing point guard at the time, scarred me for life. I had it stolen from me five times in a row trying to get it up court. And these guys are like 12 years old dunking on my face. They were like grown men, changed my perspective completely. I learned very quickly, I am not that good at basketball. Can I tell you this? Apart from God's presence, I don't care how wealthy you are. I don't care how successful you are. I don't care how smart you are, what your background is, what your resume looks like, how gifted of a communicator you are, how great of a leader you are, how great of an entrepreneur you are. I'm telling you, without God's presence, you are not that good. Without God's presence, we cannot do anything that is eternal. Can you have success? Sure. People have success all the time that are agnostic or atheist or believe in other religions. They don't follow Jesus. They can have success. But I'm telling you, you'll never have something that's eternal and supernatural apart from God's presence. It is an absolute must. And Moses knew that. He said, God, I'm thankful for the angel. But God, I'm not going if your presence is not going with me. Man, we could get in the promised land and we can do some great things. But God, it will not be eternal 
Lord, you are my God and the same God that I've meet, been meeting with in the tent of meetings, I've gotta have you every step of the way. Let me ask you a question. Do you have a tent of meetings in your own life? Is there a space and a place and a time that you escape to and you get alone with God and you open up your word and you allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you and you pray and you allow God to know what's in your heart because this is what the psalmist says. I love this. David says this. He says, my heart has heard you say, this is God speaking, come and talk with me and my heart responds. I love these words. Lord, I'm coming. David says, God, you want me in your presence and I desire to be in your presence. And Moses knew, David knew, any great man or woman that's been used by God understands that revival and the move of God, the power of God to break chains, to cast out devils, to do things that is pushing and advancing the kingdom of God forward, it will never be done on the strength of man. And I love our church. Man, I'm so thankful and God has given us success in the, in the eyes of the world. And there's a lot of people that come and we are grateful for that. There's, there's outreaches that are taking place and there's ministry moments that are happening. There's mission trips that are going on. But let me tell you something. If we don't have the presence of God, then it will not make the difference that God desires it to make. It's not just preaching that sounds good. It's preaching that hopefully is backed with the power of the Holy Spirit. It's not when our worship team gets up and starts to sing and we all know they can sing good, but I promise you chains don't fall just based on the talent of a singer. Chains fall when the presence of God falls on people's lives. We've got to have his presence. We've got to be desperate. I love the words of Jesus. Check this out. Jesus in John 15 verse five says this. He says, I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Now listen to these final words. Apart from me, apart from me, you can do nothing. I can put my name in here. Apart from Jesus, David Ray can do nothing. Again, does this mean that I can't accomplish anything in life? No, it doesn't mean that. It means apart from the presence of Jesus and God and the Holy Spirit in my life, I will not do anything that is of eternal value and pushes back the kingdom of darkness. I'm telling you, church, if we wanna see revival in our land, if we wanna see racism and the wickedness that it brings defeated, it will not take place apart from the presence of God. If we wanna see our families and our children Come to know God and experience him. And we want to see our church not just full of people, but revival taking place. We have to have his presence. Seek his presence above all else. I love this scripture as Moses continues to talk in Exodus chapter 33. You just see like this boldness coming through Moses. Are you saying, God, I'm not going if you don't go. And God says, okay, I'm going with you. And then he starts taking it a step further. And these are some really powerful words Moses said to God, he says, please show me your glory. And he said to him, this is God speaking, I will make all my goodness pass before you and I will proclaim before you my name, the Lord. That's the name Yahweh. And I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious and I will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. But he said, you cannot see my face. We'll come back to this in a moment. For man shall not see me and live, verse 21. And the Lord said, behold, there is a place 
by you where I, well, you shall stand on the rock. And while my glory passes by, I will put you in the cleft of the rock and I will cover you with my hand until I've passed. Then I will take away my hand and you shall see my back, but my face you shall not see or not, shall not be seen. This, the final step to revival, number four, is to see his glory. And this text has so much meat in it. It has so much revelation in it. And I wanna just break it down for you quickly. But what Moses is asking here, there's like this boldness in Moses that he's asked God for his presence to remain and God said yes. And so now he's like, he's like a child who, man, you ask a parent and they say yes on one thing and you take it a step further. He says, now God, now that you will stay with me and you'll stay with your people, now I'm asking that I will see your glory. What is he asking for? This is a great question. He's asking that he will know what makes God, God. I want to, Moses is saying, I want to know you. I want to know what makes you the way that you are. And God, without hesitation, just responds and says, okay, I'm going to give you some insight. I'm going to allow you to see part of my glory. And there's two things that I want you to note that, that God says he's going to allow Moses to see. He says, I'm gonna allow you to see my goodness. And also, I'm gonna allow you to hear the declaration of my name, Yahweh. What is this all about? Moses is asking this bold question and, and request before God. And God is saying to him, Moses, I'm gonna show you my character, that I am good. Everything about God inherently is Good. And you say, why is this important? It means everything for us. Because in order for you and I to have revival in our lives, we have to know who God is. We have to have a revelation of his character and an understanding of what makes him God. And God's saying, I am good. But also God says this, he says, I am also Yahweh. Yahweh means the Lord. It's the great I am that he is completely sufficient within himself, that he has no need for anything, that he is sovereign, that he is powerful, that he is in control. But watch what God does. He does not separate the two. He doesn't say I'm good and then I'm also powerful on this side. God says I am both of those things, but they are not separated. Say, so what does this mean? This means something very significant for you and I. It means everything that God does for his people, for us as his children, everything, his decision-making, his power, his moving on our life, everything is based on the foundation of his goodness. Our God is good. Even the scripture says this, it says, even when the enemy has meant something for your destruction, what's it say? But God turns all things to ground for your good. God tells Moses, he says, I'm gonna allow you to see my goodness, my character, that I'm inherently good, I'm full of love, and also I'm gonna allow you to see my godness, that I'm divine, that I'm sovereign, that I'm in control. And Moses gets a glimpse. And he sees his glory. I can preach to you, and Pastor Mike can preach to you, and other people, your mom, grandma, whoever. And we can say 
This is who God is. But until each one of us has a revelation of his glory, we will not be changed. Say, what do you mean? Think about Paul, who was Saul on the road to Damascus. He knew God. He knew the law. He read the Old Testament. In fact, he had memorized most of the Old Testament. But something happened when he saw Jesus. And he was knocked off his horse. And the Spirit of God came on him. And his life was transformed. Why? Because he had a revelation of who God was. It was real to him. It wasn't secondhand knowledge. It was personal. And when you and I have a revelation and we see the glory of God, I'm telling you, you better get ready for revival because it will change you. In fact, it's impossible not to change you. When you seek his presence and you see his glory, your life will be turned upside down. Does that mean everything's gonna be easy? Absolutely not, but your life will be used. Your life will be useful. You'll find purpose in his presence even when you're not satisfied and thinking, God, I thought there was more, but there will be purpose right there because you know his presence is with you. When you see him face to face, and God told him, he said, hey, you're not gonna see my face, but I love this. Moses would have to wait 3,500 years later before he would see the face of God. Check this final scripture out. Matthew chapter 17, verse one through three. This is the Mount of Transfiguration. It says, and after six days, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John, his brother, and he led them on a high mountain by themselves and he was transfigured before them. This is Jesus, transfigured. He was in his divine state, his full deity. He says, and his face shone like the sun and his clothes became white as light. And behold, there appeared to them Moses and Elijah. Who was there? Moses and Elijah talking with Jesus. I love that the very thing Moses asked for I wanna see your glory. God gave him a, a picture of it. He gave him a taste of it, of his goodness and his sovereignty, his godness. But then 3,500 years later, he would see the face of Jesus. And if we're gonna see his glory, it's seeing Jesus. If we want revival, it's lifting up Jesus. What's the Bible say? If I be lifted up, Jesus speaking of his death, but also the proclamation of his name. If I be lifted up, I will draw all people to myself. I pray, church, there's something stirring on the inside of us right now that we understand that, boy, we gotta have his presence. I'm not gonna take it for granted. I've gotta have it. I'm gonna have my own tent of meetings. I'm gonna separate myself daily, not just once a month, but daily to get in his presence. I have to have it. I'm thankful for his promise. I'm thankful for his protection. I'm thankful for his provision, but I have gotta have his presence. And then finally, Lord, I wanna see you. I wanna know you. I don't wanna just hear about you and other people talking about you. I want to know you. And when we experience Jesus, it changes everything. It's interesting that today, Sunday, just so happens to be the day of Pentecost. In the Jewish calendar, today is Pentecost. We didn't plan it this way, but what happened on the day of Pentecost? Acts chapter two, the spirit of God fell. A room filled with people, 125, and a revival broke out that would turn the world upside down. I pray that you and I, we live for what matters. 
We seek his presence above anything else. We ask to see his glory and he reveals his son to us through revelation of who he is and that you and I will experience the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Thank you for listening. Take a moment and subscribe so you can become a part of the community here and stay up to date with what is happening at Healing Place Church. For more information about HPC, visit healingplacechurch.org.